Welcome to the Hatch and Curiosity podcast, where homeschooling families cultivate innovation through curiosity, creativity, and critical thinking. I'm your host, Christina Hatch. You're listening to Episode 1, An Introduction to Hatching Curiosity. The mission of Hatching Curiosity is to help homeschooling families cultivate innovators through curiosity, creativity, and critical thinking. To start off, let's tell you a little bit about Hatching Curiosity. The name came about when I needed a name for my Etsy store that I opened in 2017, selling nature study learning materials. It's a play on words with my last name being Hatch and what matters most to me, which is having an atmosphere of curiosity. I just love those little aha moments that kids have when they discover new things and wanted to capture the beauty of that love of learning. The product lines grew along with my vision as I better defined my academic goals. It turned into a passion for igniting a love of learning and reviving some of the lost subjects of nature study, drawing, geography, and planting the seeds for arts and humanities. The love of learning is at the heart of everything I do. As you may have guessed already, I am a homeschool mom to three wonderful and very different little boys. My days are filled with loud truck noises, messes, and endless talk about Harry Potter, or whatever the new obsession is, and I wouldn't have it any other way. I have been blessed with an amazing homeschool community even before I started in Utah. Supportive friends in Alaska, and an incredible homeschooling co-op here in Idaho. And I just have to give a shout out to my sisters because the work we do is so important and it makes all the difference in the world to have friends who understand why you do what you do and can bring you a Pepsi or a shoulder to cry on when you need it. As a new homeschooling mom years ago, I did what all new homeschooling moms do as I researched philosophies of education. At first, it was totally overwhelming, but over time, I came to love principles from many of the philosophies as I understood them better. I would still consider myself a very eclectic homeschool to this day, but I appreciate what I've learned from the ideas of Charlotte Mason, Montessori, Classical, Thomas Jefferson Education, and World Schooling. Some of the concepts I've incorporated into what I do are, education is an atmosphere. This concept is shared by both Montessori and Charlotte Mason, though they take a slightly different take on it. The principle is true. Self-discovery and child-led learning are popular in Montessori and unschooling. Living books can transport you to another time and place, and I first heard the definition of a living book from Charlotte Mason. Learning our roots comes courtesy of a classical education that studies Latin as the base of language, logic as the base of thought, and history as the base of human behavior. I agree with Miss Mason in that children are born persons. When my oldest was born, he wasn't at all what I was expecting. He came with his own little personality, and I wouldn't change it for the world. He's always had a logical intelligence, just like my youngest has always had an innate spatial intelligence. They are people capable of a full spectrum of understanding and gifts of their own from the very beginning. I believe in creating a love of learning, as taught in TJ Ed, and I think that the world schoolers have it absolutely right when it comes to truly seeing the world for its beauty and diversity. As I decided to homeschool my own children, I did it for many reasons, the first of which was the beautiful lifestyle and customization of their education, the second of which was because I saw a real need for change and a new style of education. Our current system was developed for the industrial age to produce factory workers and soldiers. Even at that time, wealthy families paid for a classical style education at private schools, knowing that the public schools would not serve them best. Ironically, when the nation was founded, and most of the nation was either private or public schooled, we were one of the most literate societies on earth. Now, sadly, we're not. 
the U.S. is simply not keeping up with most developed nations on an array of educational standards. I also saw the need firsthand. Not to brag or anything, but I was an excellent student, meaning that I knew how to work the system and take the tests. I was told that if I got good grades, I'd get into college, land a good job, and then buy a home that always appreciates and live my life with a white picket fence. Now, many of the millennial generation became disillusioned as they entered the workforce, but my story has a special nuance in that I graduated with a bachelor's degree in advertising in 2007. Do you know what happened in 2006? Facebook was invented. I actually joined Facebook when you still needed a college email address to join. We knew then that print media was on the decline, but we did not yet know what would replace it. At the time, the internet marketing was really spammy and obnoxious and not particularly effective. Yet, before the ink was even dry on my diploma, my degree was nearly obsolete. Now let me be clear. Education is not a waste. I grew a lot as a person at college, and I prefer my doctors, lawyers, and engineers to know what they're doing. However, many of the non-skill-specific degrees can now be outsourced to webinars, YouTube, blogs, podcasts, and other formats that can keep up with the ever-changing climate of the information age. If you need to know something, you'll be able to find it on the web. The world is changing at a faster rate than ever before in human history. Yet, how has the education system changed in the last 50 years? If it's no longer what you know, since you can find what you need when you need it, what is it that will give you a competitive advantage? I believe to some extent it's what it is what it's always been. Strength of character. In our grandparents' generation, it was all about hard work, knowledge, and company loyalty. These things were rewarded with advancement, prestige, and a good pension. You know, honestly, I don't even think my nieces and nephews that are teenagers even know what a pension is. <laughs> those values suited those times. In our world with a global economy, technology advancing at an exponential rate, and information available in our pockets, who do you think will come out on top? I believe it'll be the innovators, entrepreneurs, and investors. Innovators are thought leaders who come up with new ideas through curiosity and creativity. Entrepreneurs have the courage to start new businesses. They move ideas to reality through grit, hard work, and near-lunatic level of optimism. Investors see value before others. They do this by measuring, analyzing, evaluating, and criticizing their options, and then being decisive. Honestly, I view them all as innovators in their own flavor. Innovators need to be adaptable. In being adaptable, you know that any information you need can be found when you need it. But loving to learn and cultivating virtues like grit, work ethic, curiosity, creativity, and the ability to problem solve, make it so that you can do anything. They are the values of the future. We accomplish grit and work ethic through work. Honestly, chores and other farm projects will teach my boys about work better than anything else I could do. That and I tell him daily, I can do hard things, is literally our family motto, designed to ingrain resiliency. In my curriculum and other pursuits, I make a conscious effort to create opportunities for curiosity, creativity, and critical thinking, because those three keys unlock so many other opportunities for understanding. Curious people's strength is in seeing what others don't. They see what is there, not just what they expect or want to see. They are constantly asking questions and pushing boundaries. Now, if this sounds like every three-year-old ever, that's because it's where the phrase childlike curiosity comes from. 
children have the innate ability to wonder and be astonished by the world around them. Curious people, also, are never bored. I know this because I am one. I'm constantly trying new things, starting new projects that I don't necessarily always finish, and am hungering to learn more about the world around me. If you saw my browser history, you would think that I am one random babe, and that's just because I find new things endlessly fascinating. My husband teases me that I have too many tabs open in my mind at any given moment. Yet that just means that I'm never at a loss for things to do or discover. Creative people's strength is in creating solutions where others don't. When you first hear the phrase creative person, most people think of an artist. And while they are a great definition for creativity, do you ever think of an engineer or a mathematician when you heard the word creative? Any leap of knowledge we have had in human history was due at least in part to creativity. Someone had to be willing to make previously unknown connections or to think outside the box. Creative people allow themselves to explore new ideas freely, without constraint, and the best creatives know how to reflect and articulate those ideas effectively. Creative people see the beauty in the world and in its puzzles and paradoxes. Critical people are critically important. They get a bad rap because no one wants to be known as the judgmental person for criticizing others. Yet, their strength is in seeing problems where others don't. If you can see the problem, that's the first step in finding a solution. Just think of how many heartaches could have been prevented if you were able to have seen the problem before it was too late. Being willing to analyze a situation makes the outcome stronger if the problems are fixed before moving forward. Discerning people tend to be wise and to get a sense of accomplishment from their work. My whole world changed when I realized that I could figure anything out with the right tools and enough time. So many opportunities opened when I knew that I had the power to change my life. So that is what I'm doing with my kids. I'm opening the world to them so they can see the beauty in it and have the confidence and ability to add to that beauty. When your kids grow up, what do you want them to be? While it may vary from family to family, most parents would say that foremost, they want their kids to be happy. Being an innovator has its financial and career advantages, but it is also a mindset that will make you deeply and profoundly happy as you tap into your best self to find purpose and meaning in your work. In this podcast, we will tackle how to cultivate this mindset through principles from many philosophies of education using some of the lost subjects. There will be tactical tips and food for thought. I hope you join us next time. Until then, join the conversation on Instagram by answering what principles do you view as most important in your child's education. Until then, stay curious.